first reading tonight comes from Micah chapter 5, and it's found on page 856 of your church Bibles. Starting at, chap- starting at verse 2. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from eternity. Therefore, he will abandon them until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of Yahweh, in the majestic name of Yahweh his God. They will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. The second reading comes from Luke chapter 1. That's on page 939. Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled amongst us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence most honourable Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now, listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. 
He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favour in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. I'm Dan. I've got the privilege of uh, bringing God's word to us this evening. If you keep uh, that part of Luke open, that would be great. And I'm going to pray for us. Please pray. Uh, God, we do ask that as we come to this part of your word, uh, you'd help us to see uh, more clearly uh, and to know deeply uh, the goodness of Christmas. Amen. I heard last week that according to the Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement, the average woman cries 47 times a year. Uh, while the average man cries seven times a year. Might not surprise you. I don't know, you average, below average. Like many things in life, I'm below average on that one. I don't cry much. I tried to learn to cry a few years back. I rented all these tearjerker movies, like I Am Sam and stuff. Tried to cry. I couldn't do it. Didn't work for me. But one thing did work, um, having a child. When my first son was born, uh, it was just a powerfully emotional experience. I was completely overcome by it. Been waiting for this little guy for a while, and when he arrived, you know, just there he was, and my heart swelled with joy and love for this little guy, and I felt it was going to explode, um, but it all came out my eyes. I just bawled with joy. Um, some of you might have had that experience as well. Uh, it's a powerfully good thing. However, large objects cast large, dark shadows. The goodness of having a child casts a very dark shadow for those who long to have a child and cannot. The more joy something brings us, the more pain it can also bring us. Perhaps some of you know that pain sharply as well. The longing, the longing. Well, we've just read about a couple who know exactly that kind of longing, um, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, it doesn't actually say in the text that they were longing for a child, but I think it's pretty safe to assume. Uh, in that day and age, marriage and family were kind of given, more or less, uh, not quite like our day. Uh, in fact, a family who didn't have any kids was seen by people to be cursed by God. It's pretty full on. I can't imagine that when Zechariah and Elizabeth got married all those years ago, they imagined they'd be in this situation, an old couple with no children. They would have felt acutely that there was something missing, something very precious and important. And they would have been longing for a child. Now, you might be wondering, why on earth does Luke begin his history book and it absolutely is a history book. You see that in the first four verses. Why does he begin with this random story? And I think the answer is because this is a picture of what's going on for all of Israel. The longing of Zechariah and Elizabeth is actually the longing of Israel. You see, way back at the beginning of their story, the uh, beginning of Israel, God made some promises to their forefather, Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to I'm going to bless you and your people. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to have land. It's going to be good. But fast forward to, to Luke's day, 
And they're looking around thinking, where are the promises, God? What's happened? You said it's going to be great. It's going to be life. And, and what have we got? We're oppressed by the Romans. We're slaves. We're poor. We don't have anything. They felt like they were under God's curse. Like the song we've, song we've just sung, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. That's how they felt. And they were longing for God to keep his promises. Barrenness had become a symbol for Israel. And so we meet Luke 1. That's kind of the scene of Luke 1. Uh, we've got uh, Zechariah uh, going into the, the, the sanctuary to offer these, the incense. Uh, just read with me from verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was outside praying. Um, they weren't probably praying for, for a new job or a nice car or something like that. They're praying the prayers of Israel, which are, save us, God. Keep your promises. And while that's happening, they're outside praying. They're wondering something. Did you catch it? Verse 21. Read with me in verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. That is such a poignant verse telling us how the people were feeling. Might sound strange to you, but the reason why that is, is because Zechariah, the name Zechariah means the Lord remembers. So look at it again, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for the Lord to remember. Amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. God, why are you taking so long to keep your promises? They're amazed. God, why are you leaving your people to languish here? We are longing for you to set things right. I wonder if you've asked a question like that at all in the last year or so. God, why are you leaving us so long to languish? We're longing for you, God, to set things right. Because I look around the world, they're not right. I wonder if you've felt that this year, if you've asked that kind of question. Maybe on behalf of our world, you've seen the br brutality of the terrorism. Or you've heard the stories of abuse from the Royal Commission. And you've thought, that's not right. I don't want that in my world. Or perhaps, perhaps it's death. I was talking to one of um, members of our church just this last week. And they were just recounting how many people close to them have died this year. It's terrible. O come, O come, Emmanuel, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow Put to flight. That's what we want. Put it to flight, God. Maybe it's just your personal life. You know, maybe you've suffered personal loss this year. Or just the circumstances in life are just so hard to bear. And you're longing. Perhaps you're like me and you're longing for a holiday. I just need a holiday. Really, I want, I'm looking forward to my holiday. I really am. Perhaps many of you are the same. You, you, I just want a holiday. But you don't, do you? You, you? you just want a whole lot more than that. A holiday won't do it. You want God to set his world right. You want peace and joy and love. Because you are in a world that is longing. 
longing for God to act. We are, as, if, as it were, in a barren world, like a barren womb, longing for life, longing for God to act. Well, the question is, is there any hope? I was standing here at the end of 645 Church last week speaking to someone, and I said to them, they were, sorry, they were accounting to me all the problems in the world, and I said, have you got any hope? That was quite sad. They said, no, no, no hope. Friends, we have Christmas. This is why the news of Christmas is so good. Because into this barren world, God brings a life, a child, a son. It started with a pious old couple called Elizabeth and Zechariah. The Christmas angel visited Zechariah in, in the sanctuary, and after scaring him silly, he gave him those wonderful news he could hear. Verse 13 of our text, chapter 1, verse 13. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. It's a wonderful way to begin the Christmas message. Do not be afraid, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you. And there was joy and delight for them. Because God broke into their barrenness and brought life, brought a son. John the Baptist was their son. But of course, again, that's just a picture of something bigger, isn't it? It's about the hope of Israel, a child for Israel. So read on. Read on to verse 16 where the angel is still speaking to Zechariah, your son will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord their God in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Their son, John the Baptist, was going to make the way ready for the Lord. Emmanuel, God with us, the Lord Jesus. And if you've ever gone out and t- to see a band or something at night or a comedian or some sort of show and they put on their, their not-quite-so-good performance first, you know, this thing, to get you ready for the real deal, sort of prepare you. This is John the Baptist getting the world ready for the Lord Jesus, preparing them. When he was born, when John the Baptist was born, uh, Zechariah was delighted. He'd been dumb for nine months or so. And then when the child was born, he broke forth into song. And read with me a little of what he says. Uh, Verse 72, it's the last verse on the page. God has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered. He has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham. We've been longing, we've been waiting for so long, and it's come. God has remembered. He's going to keep his promises, the ones we've been longing for. The time of barrenness is almost finished. Zechariah is celebrating. It's almost over. God's life is coming. And he has. Friends, this is the good news of Christmas. He has kept that promise. The barrenness is over. Because he has sent his son, the promised one, for our world. The desire of the nations has come. The Lord Jesus has come. 
And so read on with me what Zechariah says further on, verse 76. In verse 76, he's speaking to his son, and he says, Child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Friends, are you living in the darkness, the shadow of death? Are you sick of the way that death ruins relationships and families and the world? Well, the Christmas news is, for those people, light is dawning. Are you sick of the fighting in the world? Fighting in in those relationships closest to you, in your families, even your workplace, out there in the world. You sick of it? The Christmas hope is peace. Do you know that actually that the, the barrenness and brokenness out there starts in here? The Christmas promise is forgiveness to a world longing to be set right, Christmas means salvation. When I was quite young, about four years old or so, um, my grandma died, and she left me this nice upholstered armchair. Um, but I was only four, so it was mine, but it wasn't really mine till I was 18. Then it could really be mine. So, you know, I'd sit in it. I'd kind of try to recline in a way that was sort of comfortable, it wasn't a very comfortable chair, so it was hard work. Um, and when I came into the lounge room and all the chairs were taken, I'd be like, out of my chair. That's my chair. But it kind of wasn't quite really, because I wasn't 18 yet. Um, friends, we have wonderful gifts from God, Christmas gifts from God. They are ours already. We have peace. We have peace for our souls, peace with God. And we offer peace to each other. Um, We follow the Lord Jesus, who rather than getting revenge, turned the other cheek. Um, I've been struck this year by the way that so many conflicts, um, like with my kids and like with whole countries, um, start with revenge. Um, I've also been struck reading about the church in the Middle East that has, many of them, refused to take revenge Because they follow the Prince of Peace. We have peace. We have forgiveness by the cross of Jesus, by his blood shed for us. What a joy. We have forgiveness. And we're seeking to live lives that are free of sin. Little by little. Little by little. We have hope beyond death, don't we? Through the resurrection of Jesus. So we live differently today. We have these things. And yet it's a bit like that chair, isn't it? We haven't fully taken possession of those things. That's obvious, isn't it? The world is still very broken. There's lots of, lots of war. We still sin. We still mourn death. So what do we do? We go on longing. We long for God to set his world to right. Do you long for that? Is there any sense of longing for you? 
I hope so. I hope you do long because things aren't very good the way they are. But we long differently. We don't long like they did in Israel. We long with certainty because the son has been born. Because this world is not just a world of barrenness. A life has been born into the barrenness. God's son, God's life has come. And so now, like with this chair, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time till all the longing is over. And so as people who long with confidence, we're going to respond by singing a song. We're going to sing a song that goes like this. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And as we sing, we're going to remember that in the darkness, in the barrenness, a life has been born and a light has come. So please light your little, oh, mine's terrible. It's flickering like a real candle. You can light them up. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing together. Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful that in this world of brokenness and barrenness, um, you have brought life and light. Oh God, we're so thankful that there is hope for us at Christmas time. And we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. Amen.